This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where you need to sign up for that news feed, go to zupans.com and sign up for it. They send you the specials every week, and also you always get something free. Right now, if you're signed up, and I don't know when you're listening to this, but for instance, when we're recording, if you're signed up this week, you would get some free tulips. Oh, nice. To take home and... You know, that makes sense. Makes everybody happy. Give them to your love of your life and they'll be like, it's so considerate of you. It's like, no Zupans was so considerate. <laughs> Last we, year, I did this, Chris. Uh, fresh flowers at Zupans is the way to go. I ordered online, was able to have them delivered to my wife at work. It was so easy to do. So Valentine's Day, less than a month away now. Order online, as you mentioned, Zupans.com, where you can also sign up for that news feed. Yes. And if you walk into the store, they're always beautiful, too. Mm -hmm. You'll also see right now it's citrus season in full swing. The sumo mandarins are here. And what I didn't know, those were named because the little knot on the top of the, uh, on the, top of the I orange. I didn't put that together. It's the, 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 the man bun. bun. Yeah, the man bun. Yeah. So, uh, and they're delicious. So we're, we're encouraging you to go down and get a little bite of citrus. If you, right if you walk into the stores right into where the uh, produce the departments are, they're right in front of you. At the Burnside location, I was just in there the other day. Well, bam. And they're beautiful and colorful. Oh, they're, they are so beautiful. Also, don't forget, Cellar Z regional dinners always taking place in uh, February, Piedmont. And then move to another region of Italy in Veneto in March. And so also, I just wanted to mention um, one of the nice things about Italy that we don't have here in Portland is swordfish. Right. So I love going into Zupans, and they always have swordfish steaks available, and they're delicious. Last time they were, the deal was so good I asked him to pack me up four, mm -hmm. and he said, do you want two of these separately and vacuum-packed so you can put them right in the freezer? Yes. Oh, wow. That he, was He great. knew what you were thinking. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, I didn't even ask for it, and now I know they do that. Yeah. So when there's a good deal, it's nice to get a little extra product. It's Zupan's, three locations. Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Grove, and of course, always, Zupan's.com. Welcome once again to Portland's Food Seed and Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And Court Johnson from Radio, KXL, Kink. You find you all over the place. Yeah, I like to say Portland's Radio. You're Portland Food Adventures. I'm Portland's Radio. Okay, so yeah. we, when we put the two together right here. Yeah. Media, audio, media, and food. Certainly, yeah. When, when both of us are in the room, it's right at the fork. And typically guests, but today we actually have guests. But before we get to the guests, Chris, I was noticing this. And you've pointed it out a few times online. Right now is a great time to book flights to Europe, which is ideal for your trips to Europe, right? Right. Really quickly, we have trips to uh, with uh, Jose Chesa, our fourth trip to Barcelona, September 19th, right after Feast. Uh, a fantastic experience. We've taken 30 people so far. We'd like to take you. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com, where you will also see our trip to Sicily with... Austria Ensign, and uh, 10 days, 9 nights in Sicily. And uh, that's going to be a spectacular trip. And we also have one to Mexico City in late October with David Briggs of Chocolato de David. I'm getting better at that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, we'll be able to, that's around uh, Day of the Dead. So great trips to check out. Also on the Portland Food Adventures website, check out the dinners 
where you'll see one with current eater, Chef of the Year, Gabriel Pascuzzi, at Stacked Sandwiches, serving a Calabrian dinner, sort of celebrating our Sicilian, very close to Sicily mm-hmm. uh, trip. And uh, there you get gift certificates to Evan Bean, Hot Yai, and Scotty's Pizza, Ooh. all for the price of one ticket. Go on dates three more times afterwards. PortlandFoodAdventures.com is where they get all the information. New website. It's pretty cool. Check it out and let us know what you think. So today's episode, it was one of those ones where we were in here. I actually am not on the mic very much because we have two guests and the hour just flew by. And to top it all off, we got a cookie at the end, Chris. Yeah. You know, we're starting to get a little bit of food. Hint, hint. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I need is food. Exactly. Especially cookies. And then we got... Recently, we a just got a ding-dong. Oh, did you have that? I just oh, had I, it about an hour ago. I killed it yesterday. Yeah, I gave half to my son. I embarrassed so myself. It was pretty cool. And we just to mention, just to give a shout-out to Char at, at Red Sauce Pizza, she yeah. brought in her ding-dongs. Mm-hmm. And those were great. But at any rate, not to change the subject, because yes, you're right, the interview with- The cocaine s- cookie- was the was kind of was the cookie on top of this great interview. Right. So the interview was the basis for why we're so excited. Yeah. The cookies just yes, it's the icing on top. But we were excited about it because it was nice to have Sondek and Katie in the studio, especially a privilege because we were told that they had never done anything like this before. Yeah. So she has been on uh it sounds as though she's been on some TV shows cooking and talking about the restaurant. But this was an opportunity to spend about an hour, I guess, right? Yeah, plan a little that, over. Plan that hour because Katie Millard and Sondek Podbielski of Coquine, one of our favorite interviews, we did it about three weeks ago from when you're hearing this. Yeah. And uh, I've been looking forward to it right through the holidays to hear this one in January. It led us to feel that... We were starting off uh, January 2018, our fifth year of the podcast, in a strong manner, Mm -hmm. because this comes on the heels of Gabriel Pascuzzi, who we mentioned before. Yep. And also, you want to go back a couple of weeks, Maya Lovelace, of now May and Yonder, we have since learned, is her new restaurant concept. So, Mm -hmm. um, that being said, enjoy. What's normally going on for you guys on a Monday? <laughs> we, we try not to work on Monday. It's, um, it's supposedly our day off. Um, so when I'm was the last time we didn't work on a Monday? I don't remember. February of last of this this year, Feb, like February. Oh, like so you're ago. trying, but you're not. You're we not never we never happen. make it. No. So do you consider is this work for you coming in this here today? Is, I mean, it's work a little bit. Yeah, it's it's work related. It's, it's work but related. I mean, I was at the restaurant for two hours before we came here, so that's work. This Even if like, it's just to like go check in real quick. And then you end up staying for hours. Well, so for me, I've had the <laughs> opportunity to sit down and have coffee with Sandek. You, however, who we did an event with for your opening, and I'm honored, by the way, I'm going to thank you right off the bat because that's pretty cool that we had, I experienced the first dinner in that space. You're welcome. Thank um, you. But I've never had the opportunity to actually have a conversation with you. So that's the beauty of this podcast. We get that. This is a this is an excuse to do that. Sure. So... <laughs> So it's great. So um, you're two years in, two and a half years. Two and a half, yeah. And you're doing pretty well. People you've got keep, you've gotten some. People nice... keep saying nice things about us. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I don't think I've ever seen, heard anything bad about protein. <laughs> right? It's all it's all everything you do. Everybody's saying good things. That's got to feel good. It does feel good. It, uh, we've 
you know, we work hard to make people happy. So when 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 the dots are all connected and the stars seem to align and people seem to be happy, it's it's rewarding for sure. So did you have a feeling when you opened Coquine that this is the way it was going to go, or did you terror? Have, Utter you, terror. I was going to say, <laughs> were, you te- were you were you scared a little bit? Like when we sat down and met, and you said you were opening Coquine. I think that was I don't know if it was long after it was announced. How, where were you in terms of confidence that it was going to go the way it is? I, I knew everybody would like the food. Um, everything else. Um, <laughs> Everything that had to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> See, but, and I'm the polar opposite. I was nervous about all of my side of things, but fully confident in Sondek's ability to to um, make people feel supremely comfortable and cared for. And and of course, his palate is the best palate that that I know. And he has a way of pairing wine that's interesting and unusual and something really, really special that I think is really lacking in, in wine service and wine pairings in, in other restaurants. So it, I wasn't worried about that part. I was worried about your part, which is yeah. good. It's better to be worried about your own parts than what's going to happen with and the maybe other that's person. why we work so well together. <laughs> exactly. So when did you realize you had a, uh, or let's talk about your first your first date. I mean, when your first oh, date. Oh God, we when, have to. But when you first when you <laughs> fell in love, was it a was it a food based thing? Um, I mean, it's all food based, right? right well, it's, I guess it's it's life. Life is food. Food is life. So, how did you meet? You want to do it? or You want me to do it? I, I think we should. I think we should. We should put one of you in a soundproof room, and have one do it, and then come back and do the other version. <laughs> Uh, I was working for a winery. She was working for uh, a restaurant here in Portland. And Which restaurant was it? Uh, Davis Street Tavern, a oh, restaurant yeah. that is no longer. Yeah, I wonder. I, for my first Portland job. <laughs> Very short-lived first Portland job. Our tables were next to each other at Taste of the Nation, and we were, we were there supporting. I was pouring wine. She was serving food. She was having a terrible day. I was really angry. I mean, it was... I was not having. This I was is not good. You had nowhere to go but up. Then I so. was. I arrived. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> wow. I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you could, you were swinging the heavy bat. That I day. was. I arrived, and I was. I was so angry. I was literally like throwing coolers onto the floor. She was kicking them and kicking them under tables. And what were you angry about? I just hadn't had a very good day. It was uh, every one of those days where everything that can possibly go wrong goes wrong. Um, my produce order sh- showed up late. I had to completely redo my dish and prep it from start to finish. And for four hundred people, for four hundred people, mm. and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. But um, and I was late because of all of that, and but, I don't like being late. <laughs> and I don't think. Uh, f- correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not really into doing events. I don't see you at too many of I, those things now. You know, it's just not how I cook. I. And it's not how I'm really very comfortable cooking. And I don't, if I'm out of my element and I'm not comfortable, I feel like I've failed before I've started. Um, I, most of my career has been fine dining. So it's been cooking for smaller numbers of people and cooking in smaller batches of things. And believe it or not, I think there's something in, intrinsically different about cooking on the scale that I cook and cooking for hundreds of people at a time. And it's, you know, I think maybe some people think, well, if you cook, you cook. But um, 
but I'm just not I'm just not comfortable cooking for large numbers of people. <laughs> well, I think I think it's okay to specialize in what you specialize in because yeah. that seems to be doing pretty well. Yeah. So stay away from the things you don't like doing. You're in the you're in the position I think now to do that, right? You can decide what you want to do and what I you mean, don't want to do. You kind Back of when can. you were at Davis Street Tavern, I don't think you had those. You could make those calls. I as couldn't. Easily. No, I definitely couldn't make the calls of doing anything I wanted to do. <laughs> um, which it's is, also hard to step away from the business. It's now. really hard. Yeah. You know, we actually want to be present there. We're not. We're not looking to get away from work. But, it, but I was thinking about this this morning, and I don't want to. You know, I tend to bring, when when talking about marriage, I can bring my baggage to the conversation. So, <laughs> and I don't want to do that. But you guys are all in because if something goes wrong on one side of the equation, it affects everything. So right? We talked it's, about that terror again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all in. Yeah, all in. Happily so. But yeah, well, that's not, good. That's not where a, you need to be if you're all in. Not without... You know, the rocky in the road and not without the, the ups and the downs for sure. Um, yeah. But I think you, you uh, Sandex sent me a little note of some of the, the amusing things that have gone wrong at the restaurant, which, by the way, it takes a lot of skill because you have to deal with those things, remain, have that smile you have on your face right now while <laughs> you're going through it, and no customers can know what's going on. And I don't think I'd be very good running a restaurant because I'd be telling people we're dealing with this right now, but I can't do it. So I noted about how the bathroom got backed up. Oh, like the first week yeah. we were open, it was like yeah. I'm not saying there. He didn't give me a list of a hundred things. He just sent you know a list of some things that could go wrong at sure. a restaurant that I've seen before. Sure. Yeah, well, that was a funny moment for me though, because it was the first week we were open. It was really hot out. Um, we had a full house. It was seven o'clock, and and somebody. Somebody clogged the, the toilet. And so I had to deal with it. So I went in there and it's like just, I'm dripping sweat and <laughs> unclogging this toilet. Does, and does Katie know this is going on? Did you go into the kitchen and go, I got to deal with the damn toilet well, right Of course, now? because where do they go first? They certainly don't go to Sondek first. <laughs> right. They come to the kitchen. If anything oh, nice goes to wrong. To talk about the toilet? In a rest, of course. <laughs> everything. Katie, Katie hears everything. Everything. <laughs> it's a small restaurant, by the way. So if they've gone it's, to Sondek, you tiny. probably would have heard it too. Tiny. Yes, exactly. Um, or at I, least I see the conversation going on from my, my uh, you know, omni. You've got is, a good perch to see just yeah. about the entire restaurant. Exactly. You can, you, I can see almost everything. Your, and, your command seat. And I know his facial expressions <laughs> at this point, so I know when something's gone wrong or when something's going wrong. Um, but yes, I knew it was going on. And... Was it was one of those moments where I was like, I can't leave the pass. I need you to deal with this. <laughs> Here are the tools you need to deal with it. I'll <laughs> deal with it. And so when you opened, well, you had run some pretty significant restaurants. You were at Row, so you was, had dealt with these types of things before. Yeah, not on this level. Right. Um, it, was, it was just funny. It was like you know, the first week we're open, I, I just dripping sweat while I'm I'm cleaning this bathroom. And I look over and see myself in the mirror, just gross. <laughs> and I thought, I did it. <laughs> Got through this now one. Now clean yourself up and get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. um, and and honestly, like I was really, I was really like grossed out and happy at the same time. <laughs> like this is exactly what I signed up for. I signed up for and for all the fun, okay. the excitement, and getting to pour people 
really amazing wines, and I signed up for cleaning the bathroom. And that's fine. Like that was your first realization of that. that no, aspect? it was just like it's it's now <laughs> yeah, it's it happened. Is, we're already we're already there. It's happened. We're not even a week in. And um, so I, now that you've been in business for a couple of years, you know how to set it up to prevent those things from perhaps happening. Or can, not that I want to f- focus on the bathroom <laughs> at Coquina. You, you can do your best to how set up the bathroom at Coquina. I don't know. <laughs> well, if, there's I don't only one of them. That's <laughs> yeah. the problem. They're, we're in this really old building, and the design is somehow grandfathered in to where we can get away with only having one bathroom for our for our seating capacity. Like it's totally legal, but there's but it's an issue. I mean, it's definitely an issue that there's only one bathroom when we have a full house in the summer. For example, we have the patio and. The dining room, and that's 50 seats plus, you know, 14 employees at any given time. That's a lot of people for one bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm often, yeah, I often, when I go to the bathroom at a restaurant, I'm often surprised it's open because I think they're just going to be mm-hmm. by virtue of the number of people there. But so let's go back, let's leave the bathroom. <laughs> and yes, so, uh, so you go from Taste of the Nation. Uh, who asked who out? How did oh, this go? Okay, well, so he when I'm sitting here kicking the coolers, right, and um, I hear this voice behind me that says, "Katie, do you want a glass of wine?" So that's, his, that's his that's, that's, lot in life. That's, by the way, that's is. the perfect line. Give someone a glass of wine because <laughs> something seems to be going wrong. And I turned around and I was like, "How do you know my name?" <laughs> and he said, "And and it was this creepy." He said, "It wasn't that creepy. It was creepy." He said. Well, you're wearing a name tag. Should have stopped there. But I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so there had been an interview with me that ran on Eater like the week before or something, but I wasn't even thinking about that because I was just angry. And I was like, okay, creepy, cute guy pouring wine right next to me. This could be okay. I, my day's looking up. This is okay. This is okay. And then we had another event that we did together a couple days later. And um, I somehow persuaded him to come have dinner at Davis Street Tavern. And I had to force him to take my phone number. <laughs> I didn't realize she was offering her phone number. She kept showing me pictures of her sister on her phone. She's like, look how beautiful my sister is. I'm like, I'm not interested in your sister. <laughs> um, but anyway, so finally, I mean, and I was working crazy, crazy amounts at the time. I was, it was, you know, 15, 16 hour days, seven days a week. It was, I was trying really hard to, to make this job work. And um, so we, you know, texted back and forth and he Finally, finally, we nailed down a date, and he said, uh, "Do you like noodles?" And I said, "I love noodles." And he said, "How about Thursday?" And we went to Biwa. Um, I don't think I'd ever really actually been on a date before that day. I don't. I don't date. I don't have time At to all, date. Period. You're not <laughs> talking about so. Portland. No, I don't. Th- no, I mean like period ever. I so mean, you were you a- in a long relationship before this? Oh, I was so, married. You were yeah. married. So, <laughs> yes, okay. before this, <laughs> I was. I um spent five years in France, and I um got married, and then we moved back to the states together, um to San Francisco, and then and then split up, and I moved to Portland. Um, was that part of the reason you moved to Portland? Just a new start, fresh start? Yeah. Yes. Um, I had been traveling for quite a while and had been far from family and my family's very spread out as it is. So, um, my sister had her third baby and, um, I just realized I needed to be a little closer to family and she lived, lives in Eugene. Um, and my mom lived there at the time too. So I moved to Portland to be closer to family. Nice. Yeah. Nice job on Biwa, by the way, Sam. Great. That's a good, that's a good first date place. It was good. We sat, we talked for so long that with, we didn't even order drinks for like 
45 minutes. Oh, I'm sure our server just He was, oh man, like live, like we were the worst diners. Bad, bad, bad. And so we talked forever and then finally ordered drinks and then talked again so long that he came to us and said, so we're going to the late night menu in like 10 minutes. If you want to order anything, you should probably order now. And I mean, it was like three and a half hours of what's your favorite book? Wait, that's my favorite book too. What's your favorite movie? Wait, hold on. That's my favorite movie too, or top ten this that you like, and just not being able to realize or not being able to believe that there were so many similarities. So somewhere along this evening, did both of you have the the butterflies start uh, flying for you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I knew from I knew from the I knew from the very beginning, from the first moment. Wow, for sure. And how long ago was that? Six years. Six and a half years ago. Fantastic. Yeah. And so then. What at what point did you start talking about opening a restaurant together? When I got fired from the Woodsman Tavern. <laughs> and do you know why you were fired there? Or you should know. Well, so I mean, I I think I have my ideas about why I was fired. It was one of those awkward conversations where, like, you're breaking up in a relationship, and your boyfriend is telling you it's not you, it's me, but really they mean no, it's really me, mm-hmm. and and um my boss basically told me that I was not a cook. I was a chef and I needed my own kitchen and it was for my own good that he was firing me. Uh, but it was the only job I've ever been fired from. <laughs> and I was, I was quite broken up about it. <laughs> but in retrospect, are you now thinking that was one of the biggest favors you were ever? It, ever. Done? Just like I had, I've had some, 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 I've had many of those moments. I mean, I guess we all have really in life where you realize oh. that something bad that happened was really something great. My house burned down my last semester of college, um, which is the reason I went to France. Um, Where'd you go to college? Michigan State. Oh, mm-hmm. Spartans. Spartan, yeah. Um, so, you know, many of those moments, but this one was, you know, I ended up listening. <laughs> I, <laughs> I went to a record store. I had just moved into Sondek, too, which is what, what the, why it was also so incredibly devastating to me was I've just moved in with this guy and now I lost my job and I'm not going to be able to pay rent and what am I going to do? And this guy's going to think I'm a total loser and oh my God. So I went to a record store and I bought the new Bon Iver album and uh, went and sat on his couch and had a little pity party. And um, and basically he came home from work and said, well, you know, whatever, it's no big deal. We'll just open our own company. I was like, okay, <laughs> we're gonna, wait, what? We don't have any money. How are we going to open our own company? He's like, we'll start our own company. It's totally fine. We'll, you know, I have a little bit of money set aside. We can go... And he grabbed a piece of paper and a pen and he starts like sketching it all out. He said, well, we're going to need some tables and some chairs and we'll just, if we rent a U-Haul for every farm dinner we do, we can just do pop-ups and farm dinners. And you know farmers, right? And I know wineries and it's totally fine. We'll just, we'll do this. And, wow. uh, do you are are you scheduling therapy sessions? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty you know that's a great turnaround for for a day to go from that to that. That's it was it was lovely. And then and we did we did a couple of pop ups that summer. Um, four was it four the first round of farm dinners? We did three farm dinners. Three farm dinners, and then and all of those led to people asking us to do more events yeah did it lead you to some investors eventually well, we hoped it would and event- yeah. yeah it did it did um we hoped it would that, that was my crazy plan at the beginning was just oh if people eat her food they'll just want her to have a restaurant mm-hmm. that's that was the thinking <laughs> that's i had smart. uh and so i i basically thought of how do we get people to how do we get her food in front of people so that they can taste it and i did a lot of events when i was at the winery i organized a lot of of things like 
a dinner out in the middle of a vineyard and um, a dinner in the middle of a cellar. So I figured we could just kind of do stuff like that. And so I asked some winemaker friends if they would be willing to let us build a menu around their wines and make a little mini wine dinner. Um, and we ended up filling three dinners and each of those. That's uh, not a lot of dinners to get to a restaurant. I mean, well, a, there were a lot of events that came after that, but that was right. sort of the, the start. And it was that first dinner that we did that I realized, oh, shit, I got to quit my job. I have to be <laughs> part of this. Um, so originally my thought was just I'll help people learn who she is and, and then people will just come with money and just give it to me. Be like, oh, here, just open a restaurant. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work that way, it turns out. Um, but yeah, once once we started working together, I I realized that I had to be involved and I had I had to be part of it. He asked me if it was okay. Actually, he said to be involved. Yeah, I I, I actually remember the moment we were drinking coffee and getting ready for prep prep day or something. It wasn't a dinner day, but it was a prep day, and he uh, and he said. So you know you need to have your own restaurant, and I said, "I well, yeah, I can't, I can't work for anybody anymore. I have to, I'm getting too old and ornery and stuck in my values, and I can't compromise them. And I just, you know, yes, I know that." And he said, um, "Well, would it? Are you okay with me being involved?" And I said, "What do you mean? Am I? What do you mean? Am I okay? <laughs> Aren't you? Involved. Wait, hold on. Was there ever a question? <laughs> was I didn't realize that was a question. I thought we were just going to do this. I thought it was going to be a thing." Um, and then, and I mean, I don't really, I've never looked back. Have you ever looked back? Nope. Never looked back. It we did wine look. dinners. We did catering. Oh man, the catering. Um, we yeah, did which lots is of, not your kind of thing. It's not my thing, but you know, you got it when you're doing some you pop-ups. You do what you got to do. B- believe it or not, pop-ups are not very lucrative. They yeah. are expensive to put on because you've got all these over, you've got all these costs that come when you're a restaurant, you can, you know, minimize your costs because you're doing it every single day. But for a pop-up, you have to build a restaurant for one service and then break it down and clean it up and put it away. Oh, I've always wondered about that. How they, what, what the, I guess the purpose well, no is, is it. it's like a little, it's like you can, you can open with a food cart and take that tact or now all the opportunities exist for pop-ups. You're ahead of the curve, by the <laughs> way, because I don't think there were a lot of pop-ups back then. There weren't, not in Portland. Four or five years ago, there were not. Yeah. There were, uh, and now... Now there's lots. Yeah. There's no money in it. I mean, the margins are slim in restaurants, but pop-ups is like, you're doing it. It's we, an investment. It's, exactly. And you're looking for investors and you're looking to make a name for yourself. You know, we didn't have PR. We didn't do any of that um, during the the zygote cocaine phase. Um, we wanted really to kind of, we knew it was going to be the long, hard way, but we really wanted to um, build a following um, very organically by simply cooking for people and simply throwing dinner parties and and um, putting our food and our values and our mission in front of people and having conversations and, you know, meeting farmers and, and creating relationships and, and foragers and wineries and, and kind of building a community of food around us, around ourselves, around our idea of what we wanted to do. And we knew it was going to, you know, it was going to be a, a long, hard road. I mean, there's people that come to Portland, you've seen it, and open. They're here a couple of months and they open a restaurant. And number one, you know, I don't, that's just not how I do things because I think I have to feel a little bit more comfortable in my surroundings first. But um, secondly, I just don't think it would have felt very coquine. It wouldn't have felt um, like community and and purpose and all of those other things that we want our restaurant to be, a neighborhood, 
something bigger than just our little corner. And you, when you first opened it, I mean, that is the epitome of a neighborhood restaurant. If there, if there is anything in Portland that you would point to and say, <laughs> well, what's this all about? Because it's the only thing there. Well, it's not. No, there's cheese bar nearby, and but it's the only thing open in the evening like that. Yeah. Am I right? Oh, definitely. I mean, and, cheese bar is there, but it's, you know, it's not a full service restaurant, of right. course. We do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They don't. We have a coffee shop. There's, but there is, there's nothing there. So that, that corner um, is only zoned commercial, just those two buildings right there, um, because it was a trolley stop actually back in the day, a long time ago. Um, and so that's why it's actually zoned commercial. Everything else is residential around there. There's a real estate office across the street, a yoga studio next door in us. Did you, um, so uh, a couple of years in, how much of your business is local versus how many people are now battling traffic to get to you? <laughs> it, it depends on the time of day. It does. Yeah. Um, and the time of year. Breakfast and lunch are very much the neighborhood. And, you know, it's a much more casual setup. Um, dinner is pretty split between folks who are coming for some sort of a special occasion. And, and we offer an experience worthy of that. But you could also just come sit at the bar and have a bowl of pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it doesn't have to be a big production. And, and we have, Which we have, have those diners. This is actually the last time I was there. That's what, <laughs> I, that's what I did. I haven't been there recently enough, but that's a, maybe I will with talk. And you, can, you will probably be able to get in a lot easier now than, right. um, than previously. So let's, I want to talk about that, but I also want to go to, um, want to go to when you both decided you were going to be in the wine world and the food world and the food and wine world. How far back does this go? Well, I don't know. I I used to play restaurant as a kid. Okay, um, that's that's far back. <laughs> uh, how did that go? How did you play restaurant? I would cook dinner for and and serve dinner to my family mm-hmm. in the dining. Like I'd make them go sit in the dining room. How old were you? It's like 11, 12. Ah. Um it's pretty ambitious. Were you serving the were you pouring the wine then too? <laughs> yeah. I I did. I I didn't I mean it wasn't something I really thought about. And just, where was this? At that time we were living in Bulgaria. Okay. Um and so yeah, you told me you moved around quite a bit. My pops was in in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's school teacher. And so most of my life growing up, we were abroad. Uh, I was born in Germany. Um, we lived in West Germany. We lived in, in Berlin, um, Kansas, England, Virginia, War, uh, uh, Sofia in Bulgaria, back to Virginia, to Warsaw. Um, and then I moved back stateside for college. So up until when I moved, up, up until about my 18th birthday, I probably spent. 85 or 90 percent of my life abroad well you didn't you wouldn't be able to tell that accent there's no accent no but the name's there I yeah mean. <laughs> how do you pronounce your name again because i always have to remind myself sandek no not that not, the, <laughs> not that one down I, was say, I think you did a great job yeah sandek i got but the first k is silent <laughs> um my last name is podbielski yeah, see, I've never gotten that. I, I never get anything right, but that one is <laughs> is tough. So I wanted to have you say it here so that I could forget it. I, not forget it, but get it wrong sometime in the next 20 <laughs> minutes. Podbielski. Yep. If yep. I say it, I'll get it right. Um, so, uh, and I can understand. How about your father in the service? Podbielski, get over. Or I can imagine <laughs> that being a little bit of a problem. He was probably called everything. Yeah, he he was pretty pretty calm. <laughs> He's a pretty even keel guy. 
So is he, is he still around? Yeah, yeah. My parents live on the East Coast. On the East they, Coast. They live just outside of D.C. Oh, nice. Do they come? Have they come and enjoy the restaurant? Yeah, many, oh, yeah. several times. Several times. They come twice a year-ish. And then what about you? When did you, when did your food interest start? Wow. Um, I mean, I don't think I've ever, there was a brief period of time where I've wanted to be an astrophysicist. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I think, and that was kind of sandwiched between two periods of wanting to cook. I've always wanted, I've always loved to cook. I've always wanted to cook. My uh, my grandmother was a really fantastic cook and she would come from Portugal to spend six months at a time with us. And um, so there were the after school thing was come home and bake with granny, you know, and my, my parents split up when I was 10 and uh, we used to go over to my dad's house a couple nights a week for dinner. And at first he would just take us out to restaurants cause he didn't really cook much. Um, my mom did all the cooking when I was little, little, but uh, after a while, I guess it got expensive and he got bored. And so he started cooking for us at his house and it was definitely a way for me to spend time with my dad. Um, you know, we'd go over there after school and he grew, he's planted an herb garden and planted tomatoes and um, like basil everywhere. I just remember, you know, 20 basil plants in our garden and we would cook dinner and, and it was just, it was a special time for me and it was really enjoyable. And I think maybe that's where it all came from is I just really loved that time of the day and that, time of the week and um and yeah and I got a job in a restaurant when I was 15 and then started cooking in restaurants shortly thereafter and I mean I just don't ever remember did you work your way through college in Lansing at restaurants I did yeah I did any notable spots um I worked at this place called Dusty's Cellar for a little while (laughs) Uh, I worked at I just you know it was jobs to jobs to pay the rent and and the bills at that point I was usually working two jobs at once um, I worked at many restaurants. I worked at this place called Jambalayas, <laughs> which was funny because it was probably a Cajun, every city Cajun has restaurant. a Jambalayas, probably. Too. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but I'm from. Well, I spent a lot of time in the South, so cooking Cajun food at a Cajun restaurant in Michigan was appropriate, I guess. So, was there? Do you remember the point where you said to yourself, "I'm really good at this"? I that I, has it happened, happened yet. yet? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's insane I don't think I mean you're known as one of the easily one of the best chefs in Portland and you have not you have not absorbed that yet you're not you're too humble to I think I just work harder than than a lot of people I think I just I'm a perfectionist and I and I and I have this it's over there somewhere that thing I'm trying to get to and I just you're I not keep there? I keep trying to get there and no, I'm not there. But he sees it. He saw it. He's wanted to expose that um that skill to everyone and what you're providing. I think how to explain it? I I mean, I taste my food. I know that I my food tastes good to me. I know that I I talk to as many people who come through the door at Coquine as I possibly can. Um, you know, we have this little candy tray that we that we bring around every person who comes in and does a either a tasting menu or a chef's choice menu or just asks for the candy tray because it's on the dessert menu. I try to go to to as many people as I possibly can and ask just really sincerely how was dinner because it's of interest to me. Um, I think there's something in my deep deepest darkest inner place in my heart that 
needs to know that people like me and love me. I mean, it's maybe it's there in all human beings, but I, I have I have that kind of insatiable need. And I think that drives a lot of chefs. I'm sure it does. I think I mean I think it drives a lot of chefs, artists, people who, who work, in, in maybe professions that yeah professions that where you're literally putting your heart on a plate. I mean, why, why would I do that to myself over and over again? This like little tiny moment of anxiety where this plate leaves the kitchen and I, I'm like, are they going to like it? You know? And why would I do that to myself if I didn't, if there wasn't something behind it? I mean, there is, I need to know that, that but people you're still, like what I'm you're doing. You're still asking yourself that question. You haven't gotten Constantly. to the point where you have, where you think, ah, this is great. On to the next one. Well, there's um, always something you can do better. I mean, there is. I mean, there's dishes. Like, okay, we, we've got systems down and things are pretty good and people keep saying nice things about us, but we can keep making things better. Yeah, I think that you have to have that to survive. Otherwise, when you start taking things for granted, it's tough. But I'm just, I, I'm only curious because both of you have gotten so many accolades in a short period of time since you opened Coquine. Do you know how terrifying that is? Because you have to live up to it? Do you know how terrified I am every time some other little article comes out and then we get this rush of calls and this rush of people to our tiny little restaurant and I'm so scared that they're going to come to Coquine and realize that it's just a restaurant, <laughs> that we're just cooking food and that there's nothing like life-changing or earth-shattering or, or crazy. That's, it's like this cookie, this, this, this silly cookie that there's so much hype around this cookie. And yeah, I, I've tasted the cookie Thousands? How many thousands of times, of course? I know it's a delicious cookie. Don't believe a word she's saying. But it's that just... is the most perfect cookie on the face <laughs> of the planet. But it's just it's But it's just a oh. cookie. It's just a cookie. I mean, yes, it's a really good cookie, but I'm I'm always terrified. I hear people I hear it. At breakfast and lunch, I hear people walk in the door and heaven forbid, you know, there's the the cookie plate is empty and we're baking more and it's gonna be about five minutes and people get really upset and they're like, I drove from Salem or Seattle or what some heaven forbid it's even farther than that and I'm like sitting there terrified being like they're gonna taste the cookie and then they're just gonna realize it's just a cookie and and my whole everybody's gonna realize that it's it's not- all you can do you what what else are you gonna put in there a hundred dollar <laughs> bill on top of it but the it's- hype terror it really does the hype really does scare me because it puts it there's it's a ton of pressure I mean there's so much pressure on our tiny little on I think on me and you know, not to to downplay. He, of course, is the face and and deals with way more customer interaction than I do. But like, you know, most of the time when something is printed about our restaurant, my name is there, and it's um, you know, there's just there's an, an enormous amount of pressure I think that comes with. And I mean, listen to me. I'm I shouldn't be complaining about it at all, and I'm not complaining. I oh, just I think take it's it like complain. I find it fascinating, and I think it, it it's indicating what drives you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, you can't stop and you can't give up and you can't settle and you can't, you know, we're, my kitchen is only as good, our restaurant is only as good as the worst dish that goes out of the kitchen. You know, it's, I feel, I feel that. And so, and it happens, you know, and nobody's perfect and I can't have my eyes everywhere and no cook is perfect and everybody has a bad day and somebody's going to get an overcooked lamb or an undercooked fish or an underseasoned something. And, and I... <laughs> No, they're not. No, See, here's your not. champion over here. They're not going to get it. I, I watch this from from my my perch where I can see everything. <laughs> and even if you're ten feet away from the pass and a dish goes up, it's like she can see the 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 light coming off of the the 
particles in the dish. She's like, nope, not enough salt on that dish. <laughs> she can tell from 10 feet away. And she'll call it out and doesn't let it go to the dining room. I've seen it happen. It's insane. How does that, how does that work? Um, it's like an 11th sense. But there re- it really is. So when I was learning to when I was learning to cook, right, and I remember it distinctly. I was the, I was on the meat station in this restaurant, a one Michelin star restaurant in the south of France, and I was learning to cook meat because it was my first meat station job, and I was so terrified. Oh my god, how many of those nights did ended in tears? Me in my bathtub in tears in my little apartment, just swearing I was going to move home and give it all up, and I couldn't do France anymore, and. But it was, I was learning to cook meat and it was a rack of lamb that kept, it was, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get it down and I didn't, I was. And how many chances do you have in a Michelin star restaurant oh, to get that many. right? Yeah. Not many. I remember the one, the turning point was I thought, I thought this lamb was, pre- and they don't let you use a thermometer. Like you have to learn to cook meat intrinsically knowing what's going on inside this piece of meat, Right. Which, looking back, okay, it's a really great skill and it's a really wonderful thing to have. I make my cooks use thermometers <laughs> because that's how you know what's going on on the inside of a piece of meat until you learn those. this thing. It's just this thing and I don't know where it happens or how it happens, but there's a point in time where something clicks in your brain and you can look at a piece of lamb in a pan six feet away and know whether it's cooked or not. And it's everything. It's knowing it's knowing the color that's on the outside of the lamb and how long you knew it was in the oven and what temperature you knew it was at and what the meat looks like when it seizes up a certain amount of time, a certain amount because it's because it's cooked and you can just tell. And and I don't know, I feel like I, I feel the same now that I'm a mom. I feel like you can just there's certain things you just know that there's these six senses that kind of open up at little points in your life and. So, yeah, I can look at a salad and tell whether it's seasoned correctly. Absolutely. Now, now that I've been doing this 20 years, 10 years ago, I had no clue what was going on. So maybe know. the anxiety has lifted just a little bit. Now you can, uh, I can worry about <laughs> raising a child and, have, and, and a new area for anxiety. The, yeah. I mean, I'm certainly way more confident as a cook Good. now than I, I like was to hear that 10 because years I ago. Hate, I hate to hear that you're fretting when, you're, when what you do is so great. It's... <laughs> Well, I think it's good. I think it's good anxiety. It's motivational anxiety. Let me put it that way. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not debilitated. It used to be. I used to be debilitated by anxiety for sure. Um, when I was learning to cook and working in, in crazy, amazing restaurants as an American girl in uh, France. And, um, do you ever want to go, get back to France? Do you think you'd want vacation? to live there? Just for vacation. Yeah. Right? We're in France. Oh, anywhere, all over. It's a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. I, it's um, I lived there for five years and I still think it's just like this magical place of, that fairy tales are made of. <laughs> you know, it's it's wonderful. I love I love France. Um, I'd love to go to places I didn't get to go when I was there, though, I think. And what about you in Europe? You have to have you spent a lot of time there. Oh, I love traveling Every, everywhere. There's, everywhere. There, I think they're exciting things. So do you guys get to get away now? It's It's harder with a three year old. Well, it's hard with a three-year-old and with a restaurant. I and mean, with a we, restaurant, we yeah. have to close the restaurant for two, a week to take two days two off. Three-year-olds, two, three, exactly. Irish twins, right? Irish right. twins when they're born in the same year. Right. <laughs> we, uh, we, we don't. Yeah, we, we don't you're get not, away much. But so you've resolved it's going to be a few years till you get to do something like that. It'll yeah, it'll be a little while, but we'll make it happen. So, and are you in the kitchen whenever the restaurant? Is open for dinner? I know you're probably not there for breakfast and lunch, I would imagine. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. But I mean, do you have to be, do you feel like you have to be there? Are you at the point where I, you can leave it alone? 
No, I mean we do we do leave. Um, we did a dinner in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, something like that. Um, where we were gone for um, for one one night, of service. one night of service. I don't like to leave for more than one night, and even when I do leave for one night, it's that that's anxiety right there. That's and it's were you not calling in. I. Yeah. We were receiving texts Maybe. from, yeah. from staff. <laughs> it's uh, which is another were, were reason we just, don't do a lot of offsite. Were they events. just text, text, or were you getting image texts too? Is just, it? just text, text. Well, I do get, I do get image texts. Like, look how beautiful this dish I was looks. Say, here's how. Don't worry, chef. Is. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's also this. We have a good crew, like we, a really good crew. And is it hard to maintain that in this environment now? It's hard to. To build it yeah. and maintain it, yeah, it's um, there's this um, insane shortage of of cooks in in Portland. And staff period. Staff period. Those. Yeah, but I think it's quite. I mean, it's quite different. Seeing, I see definitely both sides of it, and um, not to say that it, I think there's a lot more. The pool is bigger for front of house, although you know the pool that we want to choose for that any restaurant wants to, the qualified people who really want to do what we do that pool is still as small on his side of things but to give you an example he puts an ad up on poached for a bartender he gets 170 responses I put an ad up for a cook four mm. seven and how many of those are I'm no lucky. shows if you actually are going to meet meet with them oh half and mm. one of them is this guy that applies for every single post I've ever put on there he just mm. and, and every restaurant actually I've talked to other chefs about it there's this one guy who just like I don't know sits on poached and <laughs> So it's yes, it's really hard. It's hard to, but it's hard just in restaurants. I mean, in general, it's long hours and. What's the most challenging thing for both of you? Oof. If you could, if you could fix, if you had a, a fairy godmother, and you could make one wish today to make everything better at the restaurant, what would it be? We could slow time down. <laughs> there's there's so much stuff to do, uh, and and all the little. All the little things that have to get done uh, just on a, a daily basis means that's less time to spend thinking about how to the improve bigger things. picture. Yeah, right. how to how to how to evolve, how to improve systems. I mean and, and, and that's a lot of I think where both of our, our headspaces is okay, how do we make things more efficient? How do we make this job easier for our employees and how do we make it so that the experience for our guests is better. Um, and do you talk? Is that is that pillow talk, or do you do you actually have do you have meeting time set aside to do these sorts? Oh, of Oh man, when we first when we first opened Coquine, we actually made a rule. Actually, it was before that. It was during catering company days. We actually made a rule that like no no business talk in the bedroom ever. We got to separate. We got to separate it, right? <laughs> so do you go like Tony Soprano, go down in the basement ever, and have no, the conversation? No, and we were, we were so bad at it. It's awful. Like we're literally like falling asleep at night and I'm going like, so this new carrot dish, what do you think about? <laughs> or that thing on the website's not working. We really have to fix it. You know, it's, it's, it's constant. I mean, it's constant because it's consuming. It's all consuming. It's everything we do and we're constantly together and there's never. Do you ever think about what it would be like if you had your restaurant and you weren't? Owning it with I your do. husband, I and know exactly how what it would be like. That would be it. We never see each other. Well, not only that, but do you know how? I think that maybe people don't who just think of me as like helming this crazy ship don't realize exactly how much of cocaine is Sondek. It's 
I mean, but everything. I mean, the front of house experience, the wine, the everything. But like, I there's not a dish that goes on the menu that I haven't bounced off of his brain 20 times or wasn't his idea in the first place that I've kind of convoluted or that we've talked about. Or, I mean, we talk flavors all the time. And, you know, I have these the chef's version of writer's block, whatever it is, it's kind of constant. I, the, the creative process is the hardest part about what I do. And I think people really, maybe they think that I'm just some creative genius, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't have like dish ideas floating around in my head all the time that I just have to like nail them down and put them on plates. It's 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 a little more complicated than that, at least for me. I don't know how other chefs work because I'm me. But it's, you know, it's, a, it's hard. It's really difficult to be creative 24-7 and try and, you know, put all those things on plates and put and and get an idea from just some little thing in my head to a fully formed dish. And I mean, he's integral in that. And I wouldn't be coquine. My food would not be my food if Sondek was not there. Is there a schedule for creating new dishes or is it just, OK, it's time to change I, the menu? I keep up? trying to get us to have scheduled sort of like creative <laughs> workshop time. Right. And so far we haven't managed to stick to it. Right, it's, so it's kind of catch as catch can when you have an idea. Or, I mean, we were talking about stuff on our saying, drive over here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what what can we look forward to? <laughs> <laughs> we it's it's hard to so. I mean, other restaurants I'm sure function quite differently, and I know I know this from having worked in other restaurants. But the way Coquine works is, you know, it, we're very market driven, produce driven farm availability list driven and when something goes out of season or something isn't quite as good anymore it goes off the menu and you have to move on to something else and that's when it's kind of like I work best under pressure I think she's like oh shoot porcini's are gone what are we gonna do now you know it's it's like this kind of I chestnuts are about to run out so we have a, a chicken dish on the menu right now that's yeah chestnuts and chanterelles and and you know, bacon fat cornbread and it's insanely delicious <laughs> but when the chestnuts are gone, then that's a pretty crucial part of that dish in terms of the whole thing making sense. So it has to come off. So that's, you know, it's like, okay, well, we got to start figuring out what the new chicken set's going to be because we're not going to have chestnuts probably on this week. Uh, and and they're, like, they're, not, they're not really that interesting of conversations, but those are the conversations we have in passing. And it's like, okay, well, okay. Well, but I think, or, that, or that dish is changing. Now I've got to figure out what wines we're going to serve so that people are going to have the ideal wines to drink along with, with their meal. Can't you just go back to last year at this time, what you did when this happened? <laughs> I mean, Would you go I do that? Could, that's kind of boring, isn't it? No, I'm just curious as to what, I'm sure there are a lot of restaurants that do that. There are lots of restaurants that do that. I and mean, we, we put... We, we brought dishes back. We brought dishes back, yeah. we've. Um, I try not to, not because I think it's inherently wrong or something is you know, bad about bringing dishes back, but it's kind of... Maybe just me trying to challenge myself a little more. I get into these ruts where there's this this one ingredient that I think is really, really great with this one flavor. And when I think about a new dish with that one ingredient, that's all I can see in my head is this dish with or this food with this other flavor. And I'm like, OK, stop it. I don't we've done that. Let, let's move on to something else. What else can we do with sugar snap peas? You know, and and it's but we do we do bring dishes back. We bring dishes back that are like crowd favorites that people kind of rebel when we take them off the menu or like what happened this past weekend is all of a sudden Punterella just disappeared and there was no Punterella anymore and we happened to have the ingredients for our lamb dish from from this past 
from last winter this time all in the restaurant. So it was easy. I could just make the glaze and make the sauce and, and put, the, put the lamb dish on the menu on a Saturday. And it was so, so yeah, we bring dishes back sometimes. But also we have so many regulars that I don't want, I don't want people to come and be like, oh, it's just the same menu from last year. Or, I'm sure they'd be happy. <laughs> right? That's what, part of that is people, some people like to know, I want to go order that dish. Sure. It was great. No, it's so true. It's and, so true. But I think we're in this, I've always said this, this Disneyland of Portland where, where, where it's a different, it's a different script that, um, you know, you're operating, it's not, it's not under the same. I mean, when I grew up in Connecticut, there were Italian restaurants, it was the same menu night after night after night after night, and you knew what to expect. And I love them. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have that here because everything's so seasonal, and what you're doing is very different too. Well, and part of part of what I think, part of the experience that that's so enjoyable for us is that we're engaged, and so by constantly working to create something new, we're engaging with with the products that we work with and and with the season. Um, it it eliminates the chance to just sort of go through the motions, and and I think when you have you know, you just keep serving the same thing over and over and over again. It just becomes this sort of memorized script, and and you're no longer really thinking about what's on that plate. Why is it so delicious? What's so good about it? But I think that's what, and not just to generalize it, but that's one of the things that makes Portland so special is that no one wants to do that because that's in their psyche, but also because Katie's not doing that at Coquine. I, I have to keep up with Katie. Let's keep up with the Joneses and and so forth. It goes around the circle. Everybody, I'm not just pointing to you, but no, yeah. everybody's doing that. So Gabe Rucker you, did it. Yeah, you, know, you it's, just it's, can't get lazy. Yeah, you can't. You'll, you'll, and I, it's, you know, a plus and a minus, of course, but we live in this, in the Instagram world where it's, everything changes and everything's new and, and there's a photo of this and a photo of this and, and I don't even have to, try and you know all that stuff's just floating out there but it also puts i think this huge pressure on people to to keep up and to keep innovating and to keep trying more and more and harder and harder and better and better and we're going to kill ourselves because <laughs> yeah that's going to happen so i have to ask you it just dawned on me i don't think i've ever asked this question before what if someone's a shitty photographer and your dish that you've worked so hard goes out on instagram and you look at it and go that's it happens all the time. So how do you feel about that? I mean, powerless. Yeah. You know, I how what can you do? You can't do you can't do anything, really. It's if they took a bad picture but they said the dish was delicious, then Yeah. Yeah. But, but right just, back to I'm that just curious about right that back to that hard on so, a plate thing though, you're you know. So worried about everything <laughs> the way it goes out to the customer and now all of a sudden it's not just in front of four people at the table, it's in front of 200 people. Well, luckily for the way that all works, the people who have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers, they're, they're, they have that many followers for a reason. They're usually pretty good at what they do. So so there's that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. well, more to, kind of more to that point maybe is when somebody publishes something in a magazine that's an awful photo. Then yeah. I'm like, okay, come on, guys. <laughs> you, know? well, you can't control that. You can't. So what's interesting about... Um, this podcast is I always want to go beyond the restaurant and not t- necessarily talk about business, but, you know, that's your life. So if I try to find some other aspect of your life, it always kind of comes back to uh, a chef's or restaurant owner's restaurant world because there isn't a lot. 
you don't have a big life outside of the restaurant. Well, there's Hugo. <laughs> yes, there's Hugo, but he's probably going to be in the in the business at some point too. Oh, I'm sure. But, I'm so sure. what are so what are the things you get to do with Hugo? It's it's Christmas season now. We're gonna oh, try we to go to Amzi after. We after laugh. This. Oh, you are. We laugh. We laugh. We laugh. He's so much joy. So people don't. Well, maybe they do talk about it, but I just remember when I was pregnant and before having kids, people talk about the bad things. You know, they talk about the sleepless nights and they talk about how toddlers are assholes and they talk about all these things. And, and I feel like they really don't talk about how fun it is. And he's just, yeah, he's got his asshole moments. Of course he's three, you know, but he, but he's just so much fun and he spends his day playing and you get to just build things and read books and go to the park and it's makes you a little younger I well think, and it just and it changes younger. the conversation you know it's like okay but he but he actually has his own little imaginary world right now and he owns a restaurant called egg i told you <laughs> you can't get away from it <laughs> we can't but it's but it does it kind of you have to slow down it makes you slow down it makes you turn off the phone and the email and the everything else and and okay i'm just going to concentrate on building this lego car right now you know and it's lovely. So when my kids were that age, we didn't have all the as many distractions, right? There weren't phones. There weren't. Right. Um, the, they were just starting with electronics. I kept a Game Boy out of my kids' lives for a good for you way longer. <laughs> it was only divorce that killed that because I couldn't control what was going on outside my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have there are a lot of distractions for a kid now. So many. And you. Yeah. At the same time. <laughs> I, well, it's more for us. I mean, we don't. We don't have a TV or games or anything. I mean, Hugo builds forts out of like cardboard boxes and wine, wine boxes. Basically, there's just like wine boxes everywhere. <laughs> so, you, do you two watch TV at all? Um, for guilty pleasure distraction sometimes late what at night. What kind of things? What do you like? Oh boy, really on air? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we're we're up to date on The Walking Dead, <laughs> uh, and and usually at at the end of the night if. Um, you know, I'm closing it down, and she's already gone home to to relieve our nanny and and look after Hugo. You know, she'll send me a a text like telling me to hurry up to get home. It's like want to watch some zombies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, vampire show fantasy stuff. I I think mainly is like just Game of Thrones. We were really into. It's just the the completely different world, so you can turn off the world you're in. I mean, that to me is the magic of and why. So you're not watching any food TV. No. And well, Sandek likes do. it. He does. I try not to. I try to Have you watched you see Iron Chef is back? That's my favorite. I never I can't I don't know. I can't do it. I can't I can't Did make you do it? the if competition. I, yeah. No. Would you do it? No, I don't think so. Oh, come Again, on. back to like what I do, Represent. you know. Represent. Represent. You do a good job. <laughs> I uh I I like I like being in my little kitchen cooking for my thirty C restaurant and um I actually I, th- I think there's something kind of awful about about food competition that from my from my standpoint, from the chef's standpoint. Um, I guess a little friendly competition is great. It's wonderful. It pushes boundaries and stuff. But I just my job is stressful and hard enough as it is every single second of service when you're like trying to keep up and trying to keep up and trying to keep up and and the quality control that has to go on everywhere. And this diner needs this now and this person messed this up so you have to fix it and it's just like this mad race to the finish line it's like why want to why would i want to make that worse and more stressful and like put all of more pressure on top of it i mean there's already so much of it there as it is i kind of i don't need more <laughs> 
So uh, we don't have much more time. You had mentioned to me that you just started with talk. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, what that's going to do for the restaurant. Oh, I'm super excited. Going into 2018. Good things. So many good things. It's, um, it's going to let us give people a better experience. We, we, we're going to know more ahead of time in terms of what people are looking for when they're coming into the restaurant. Whether they want to do a seven-course menu or a four-course menu or to just hold off till they get to the restaurant and order a la carte. Um, and by knowing that, we can plan turn times better. We can, um, we can make sure that we have the right amount of food uh, on hand. And you can take reservations, which is a big thing. Well, we've, we've always had reservations, but we were taking reservations through Open Table, which... Right, but the, you can take reservations not, without the risk of no-shows and all that. So you can... Well, that risk is always there, it, but it minimizes it, minimizes it for sure. sure. The, the way we have it set up, uh, people will be able to, well, people can, it's, it's live. Um, they can prepay for a seven-course menu or a four-course menu and lock in uh, better pricing on it for them. So it's, you know, think of it as a discount, I guess, for, mm-hmm. for committing to it ahead of time. And so we can reward them for committing to that greater experience. That's why everything else has worked for years. Hotels. Yeah, uh, exactly. Airlines, same mm-hmm. thing. The earlier, the more you commit, the better I mean, deal you're going to get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not to say that if, if you can't commit ahead of time, you're not going to be able to have that kind of experience. Um, it's just, it helps us to know ahead of time. And so because we have that, uh, that advantage, it, it definitely is something we want to pass on to our guests and, and reward them for it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I think that it, it, it's going to allow us to create a more, a more seamless and, and more comfortable service for everybody. Uh, but it also allows us to show every every single table that's available. So there's no question anymore. You know, you, you go looking for a reservation and you just get a note that says, well, it's a small restaurant. You might actually try calling. Um, you just, you go to our website and you click on the, the book now button. And, you pick and the table? You can't pick the specific table. But okay. I was just curious. It's like <laughs> when they start doing that in movie theaters, I was like, no, I want to walk in and case the place out first. Although <laughs> Wait, you don't do, do that, that in a restaurant. movie theaters? And we, oh yeah, you can pick the living, living, room th- living room theaters and others. You pick the what? actual seat, and I'm really? like, I want to know who I'm. Much like I always like Southwest Airlines when they went to, uh, you know, you get on by the section. I can look and see who I'm sitting next to mm-hmm. instead of be stuck. <laughs> I have a little video court. Have you ever seen that little video that I did years ago? The the perils of assigned seating on planes. I sat next to a coke addict. Once for the whole time. He did not stop moving for three hours. It was like this. But so anyway, that's beside the, that's beside the point. So listen, I really appreciate your coming here. This is a gem, this episode. And I don't always say that. I don't think I, I don't know if I've ever, I've said it after the fact, after people have walked out. But I really appreciate, especially the fact that you haven't done this. We have a, a nice little prize for Right at the Fork to have you both here. So... <laughs> Stay off of other stuff for a while. At least let us have this. <laughs> and if you like this, I hope you liked it enough to to come back. How's this that? was a lot of fun. We don't ever we most of the PR type stuff that we do is 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 me going somewhere and doing something. But this is it's really fun to to have Sondek here and to be able to kind of do it together and have a conversation rather than me just trying to look like I'm I don't want to do PR we don't we don't want to do PR things on the podcast no. it's we, nice. we were just discussing looking forward to next year how do we want to what what do we want to stick to I'm sure you do it for the restaurant 
what do we what do we stand for? Yeah. And uh, so we'd rather have something that people can listen to for a few years and get to know you. And this I is think, a lovely experience. I think it's it, really nice. It was it was for us too. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupans Markets. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at foodpodcastpdx or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Mm-hmm.